If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. This is The Look Ahead with Scott Seidenberg on VSIN, the sports betting network. Scott Seidenberg back here with you. This is The Look Ahead here on VSIN, the sports betting network. You can always hit me up on Twitter at Scott's on air, S C O T T S O N A I R. The Miami Dolphins, a busy team in the past uh, 24 hours or so. They uh, signed Pro Bowl tackle uh, Teron Armstead. He gets a five-year contract. And then a big trade with the Kansas City Chiefs to bring in Tyreek Hill. They sent a boatload of picks to the Chiefs for Tyreek Hill. And they give uh, Tyreek Hill a big... um, a big contract as well. And this has been a a busy week for Miami. The Dolphins get Chase Edmonds and Raheem Mostert in the backfield. They Connor Williams on the offensive line. Cedric Wilson at the wide receiver position. And it's it's a boatload of new starters for the Miami Dolphins. And now think about the pairing here with Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill. Could be the fastest duo in NFL history. Waddle and Hill ranked ninth and tenth last season in yards after the catch. <laughs> but is Tua still the quarterback? And, you know, maybe this this move for a guy like Tyreek Hill, who's so good after the catch, is for, obviously it's for Tua, but it's for Tua's weakness, not his strength. Tua's average depth of target last season was the fourth lowest in the NFL. He attempted the second fewest passes of 25 yards amongst qualified quarterbacks. And so by getting another speedster in Tyreek Hill, you're playing to your quarterback's strengths and also going against his weaknesses. You're saying, hey, the quick slants are going to be the focal point of this offense. And get the ball in the hands quickly 
of a speedster like Tyreek Hill and let him do what he can do after the catch, just like you did with Jalen Waddle last season. But if Tua does not perform this year, it's it's time to shop for a new quarterback, right? If he does not perform this year with the weapons that he has, then what do you, what's the excuse? That's the thing. What's the excuse? But it's good to know that the organization is kind of going all in here. First year head coach coming over from that 49er organization and see what he can do with this team in a division that is still dominated by the Buffalo Bills. Josh Allen and the Bills aren't going anywhere. The Patriots, they had a really nice season last year. They just brought back Malcolm Butler, the former Super Bowl hero with the the Patriots when he intercepted the pass from Russell Wilson. And it helps fill the void that that left by J.C. Jackson, who was such a big part of that Patriots defense last year. So, you know, you see the Dolphins now co-second favorites with the Patriots in that division. Can I sprinkle a little bit on the Dolphins to win the division? I don't necessarily think so. I'd have to see it first. To me, it's about the quarterback. And while Tyree Kill is a great addition, a tremendous addition, you get an all-pro receiver like that, I got to see it from the quarterback. Tua has got to really up his game this season for me to be a believer in this Dolphins team in the futures market. Now, I do think that there are some ways that maybe you can play with the Dolphins a little bit. Um, If you take a look, so... I don't see them winning the division, or do I? Nor do I see them winning the AFC. But take a look at possible win totals. Maybe they exceed their win total. Take a look at some stat categories when that comes about, and maybe you can take an over on a Tua's a Tua yardage when you consider the weapons that he has now in both Tyree Kill and in Jalen Waddle. You can say that those are two guys that were both top 10 in the league in yards after catch last season, and so they can help Tua exceed his yardage total. Certainly something to address as we uh, get closer to the NFL season. Uh, That's definitely something to keep an eye for, keep an eye out for. Pro days galore. That's what this week has been about. It's been about the pro days. We had Kenny Pickett at his pro day on Monday. We had uh, Malik Willis at his pro day on Tuesday. And now Matt Corral in his pro day here on uh, Wednesday. Corral threw for reps from almost every NFL team, including four head coaches. Mike Tomlin was there. Arthur Smith from the Falcons was there. Matt Rule from the Panthers was there. And even Mike McCarthy of the Dallas Cowboys was there to watch Matt Corral throw. A total of 71 personnel 
were on hand. Reps from every team with the exception of the Los Angeles Rams. And if you're the Rams, you you, you just signed Stafford to a long-term deal. Uh, No interest in the quarterback market. And you're not getting him because of where you're placed in the draft. So I can see why reps from every other team, you know, wanted to take a look. Rams, not so much. Um, I think the important thing when it came to Matt Corral's pro day was that he looked healthy, right? That was the thing. You know, Corral, he, he hurt his ankle, and there was the concern about him. He went to the combine. He did not participate in any workouts. He did not throw. He had the injury that was suffered in that uh, bowl game, and he was still recovering. And I think a lot of people were waiting to see what Matt Corral looked like here at his pro day, and I think he answered all the questions. I don't think that he elevated himself over Malik Willis. I think Malik Willis, the what he showed in his pro day kind of really solidified what people had thought already going in. And uh, our next guest, Chris Landry um, from LandryFootball.com. Chris is a longtime scout, um, and, and he always says that what you want to see is does the performance match what you've seen on tape or does it differentiate from what you've seen on tape? And when it comes to a Malik Willis, I think it just reaffirmed what people had seen on tape, which is just this kid is is pretty special. And for Matt Corral, I don't think that he, he certainly didn't hurt his draft stock, but I don't think he boosted himself up above above uh, Malik Willis, probably not above Kenny Pickett either, as um, I don't believe that he will be the first quarterback taken, maybe not the second quarterback taken. But if you're just looking at the possibility of where teams could wind up taking this guy. You know, you look at the, um, you look at the, you look at the way that the draft is going to play out here. The Panthers at six are the team, the first team that is really going to need a quarterback. I think the, the the lions at two, should be in the quarterback market. And I do think there's an outside chance that if the information gets leaked, that the Lions are interested in Malik Willis. First of all, they got to be interested in him, or they could just leak the information that he's interested in him. Somebody might trade up with the Jaguars to get that number one pick and take Malik Willis. That's an outside possibility. Malik Willis is at, what, 40-1 to to be the number one overall pick? There's an outside chance. But I think it's more likely that the Panthers at six take the quarterback. And then I think the Falcons at eight are certainly live for a quarterback. And I think Washington at 11 could be in the quarterback conversation. Certainly the Steelers at 20. But I will say this. I don't think these teams stay put at where they are right now in the If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick 
and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So, listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Draft. Because even though these teams might not be, um, you know, or excuse me, these quarterbacks might not be the first-round talents, it's supply and demand. And you need a quarterback, and someone's going to climb up and get their guy. Happens all the time. Coming up next, Chris Landry, scout, coach, consultant from LandryFootball.com will join me on the program. Chris has worked on staff with the Cleveland Browns, with Bill Belichick and Nick Saban. He was in the Tennessee Titans front office as well. Spent some years at LSU uh, working in their player development uh, um, department. So we'll get his thoughts on what has been just a crazy NFL offseason coming up next. Right here on The Look Ahead on VEASAN. shot at March Mania Moolah with the KFC Second Chance Survivor Pool. Make winning picks throughout the tournament to claim your share of $20,000. Head to DraftKings.com slash KFC March Mania now to join the action. KFC, it's finger looking good. Terms and conditions and other eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Scott Sadenberg back here with you. This is The Look Ahead on VSIN, the sports betting network. Joining me now is football scout coach and administrator Chris Landry. Chris has uh, spent time on staff in the Cleveland Browns organization with Bill Belichick and Nick Saban. Was also in the Tennessee Titans front office and uh, at LSU as well. You can follow Chris on Twitter at LandryFootball and the website he runs is LandryFootball.com. Chris, when it comes to the uh, NFL offseason, what a frenzy it has been. Is this the busiest offseason that you can remember in recent history? In terms of big news, I think it is. I mean, you know, when you have a Tyree kill 
being traded and it really is not nearly as big as you know <laughs> what's happened over the past two weeks with Deshaun Watson uh, obviously a big news off the field that obviously you know preceded why we had this move I, I think it's one of the bigger ones that we've seen and um, I think uh, I think it's made it one of the more interesting uh, off seasons in some time. Well, let's lead off with Deshaun Watson then and the Browns who are now the favorites to win the AFC North. I'm not sure that I buy that, but with Deshaun Watson, do you buy the Browns as the team to beat in that division? Not yet. I mean, I think that they, it puts them in the mix. First of all, do we know for certain that how many games he's going to play this year? Do we, we know if there's going to be a suspension, uh, if there is how long we don't know any of that. Um, we know this, they've got a quarterback. That's a big time playmaker that could make a difference for them in a team. That's pretty good. That can run the football. Well, it's got a pretty good team, got some pieces on defense, but still got some work to do. Um, you still got to see what Cincinnati does. I think the fact that, Pittsburgh is unsettled at quarterback. Baltimore is good, but we don't know how good. I think it's fine to say this could see them flip the, you know, the page, so to speak. They might be, but I'm not, I'm like you. I'm not ready to jump on that yet. I'm ready to say I'll con put it under consideration. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Matt Ryan goes to the Indianapolis Colts, obviously an upgrade over Carson Wentz. Uh, and so now when you look at this Colts team, do you elevate them ahead of the Titans in the AFC South? I thought about it a lot today, and I think I do. Um, I mean, that depends, you know, on what happens the rest of this offseason in, in the draft. But, yeah, I, I think this Colts team is really good. They were they were really dysfunctional at quarterback. I mean, they had negative plays that killed them. Something that I think Matt Ryan's going to really help significantly with. They don't need Matt Ryan to come in and win games for him. They need him to make good decisions. They can run the football with a good offensive line. They've got a good defense. Um, they've got some holes to fill. They, they need some work to do, but I do like this Colts team, and, and I do think he's a quarterback that can come in and pick things up very quickly. I like the fit for Matt. I think he's definitely on a contender, and I would probably make them at the very least co-favorites with the Titans. And right now, as we speak, maybe a little bit of an advantage over them. Um, but I'm, I, I certainly am holding off, and it's close enough to where I want to see how the rest of the offseason uh, you know, takes place. Well, my first reaction, Chris, was now the division just got even easier for Tom Brady and the Buccaneers to win. Uh, Marcus Mariota goes to Atlanta. It looks like Jameis Winston's going to be back as the starter in New Orleans. And Carolina is probably going to be playing a rookie. Uh, when you look at that division, obviously it's all Tampa. But what do you make of the quarterback situation of these other three teams? Yeah, you're right. I mean, you go back in the Super Bowl run a couple of years ago. Let's remind folks. I mean, I know they won it all, but they didn't win the division. The nope. Saints did. And, you know, they were down in that playoff game. We've talked about it uh, several times over. It's completely changed. And, and all of those changes you mentioned, who's gone, who's not been added, because, you know, let's throw into it. Carolina was interested in Watson. The Saints were interested in Watson. And at the time, Matt Ryan was still in Atlanta. Well, uh, strike out Carolina, strike out the Saints, and then Atlanta moves on. So you're right. And then, oh, by the way, Brady decides to come back. Uh, they're in really good shape in that division. There's no question. Now, 
how does that stack up? It should help them in terms of navigating through the division, you know, banking some wins. But, you know, getting home field and being peaking at the end of the year is going to be important. But, you know, Godwin was a big part of what they did. I, I think in terms of the division, yes. But are they the favorites in the NFC? That's, I think, the only issue right now for Tampa. For the rest of the teams, Carolina, you're right. The quarterback situation still an issue. Um, where do they go? It may be a rookie. Uh, with Atlanta, it's Mariota for now. Uh, but the quarterback of the future, I don't think, is on their team. I think the Saints are in a different situation. Obviously, Sean Payton's not there. We saw Jameis have some early success. But it was early because he suffered the injury. Um, that, that's a pretty good defensive team in New Orleans. But uh, staying healthy, protecting the football, without Sean, you know, I don't know. I, I think it's a it's a decided advantage for the Bucks, no doubt. And a lot of more question marks than answers to the other three. Let's talk about the rookies, Chris. Uh, the coming in and the draft here, Malik Willis had his pro day and turned a lot of heads. What was your evaluation when you watched his pro day? Yeah, I thought he did a really everything that I see on tape. He's just got a really strong arm. He's mobile. I think he's got the most upside of these quarterbacks um, in this draft. Just dynamic physical gifts. I don't know that um, you know he's as polished as as you'd want. I mean, I know he's not as polished as you'd want at this point. It's a RPO quarterback run heavy offense. So I think you got some real adjustments that you have to make there. But, you know, very, very impressed with what I have seen. Um, you know, I don't know. He does remind me some of what Jordan Love remind me coming out. A couple of years ago, we haven't seen Jordan do anything for obvious reasons uh, in Green Bay. But I think there's potential there. It's going to go high. Um, I've got my quarterback board up on LandryFootball.com. Um, I got that up today. Folks can check out. I don't have a quarterback with a first-round grade. But they're going to be... Uh, multiple guys taken in the first round. You've been around me long enough to know with my scouting background that you, you don't have to, if you're a quarterback, <laughs> you don't have to have a first-round grade to go in the first mm -hmm. round because it's overvalued. Where I grade him is how I think they fit in the league, and I think he's more of a high second-round value. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he went in the top 10 or 12, and I'm sure as we get closer and closer, they're going to be somebody that really falls in love and combines with the fact that we don't have an answer at quarterback. It's worth the risk taking a quarterback, having him for five years, see what we got. I think you're going to have at least a couple of teams willing to do that. And I think Malik Willis is certainly the guy that's the most intriguing in terms of upside. Not overly big, but athletic, uh, gun for an arm can make plays outside the pocket. They didn't ask him to do a whole lot in terms of progressive reads, but he's a very bright guy, uh, a, a good character guy. So I think all those things are positives. And quite frankly, I'll say this, he's the most intriguing quarterback. And I'll, I'll say this, I got him at the top of the quarterback list for me, at least. Aiden Hutchinson has now shot up in terms of the odds to be the number one overall selection. Is that who you have atop your board? Look, he is – there's no real holes in him. I mean, he's a high-energy, high-motor guy. He's got, you know, the quick twitch. You know, he, he's got a little of the – a little, not completely, like a, a little of the bosses in him. I mean, he plays that way with his hair on fire. I mean, he's just – 
Uh, he's just really good. He's got some polish to his game. I mean, that's an example of if you've got a guy like that, you've you got no real holes in him, and the guys can really help you be a really good team. You've, you've got to pull a team around these guys. You can't have them be standalone figures, but that's certainly what I'd consider in the top three. If he's on the board, I, he's, he's the most intriguing there, and I love a couple of the offensive linemen, but I think he can impact the game a little bit more than those guys can. Chris, appreciate the time and the insight as always, and we'll catch up soon as we work our way towards the draft. Hey, thank you, Scott. Appreciate you having me. He is Chris Landry. You follow him on Twitter at LandryFootball, and be sure to check out the website, LandryFootball.com. He's got his boards up there. You can check out what he thinks uh, with the NFL draft fast approaching about a month or so away. Yeah, about a month, right? just a little under that. Uh, here, a little over that, I should say, at the end of April here in Las Vegas. I'm Scott Seidenberg. Hit me up on Twitter at Scott's On Air, S C O T T S O N A I R. Coming up next, we'll get into the NBA action of what's coming up here on Thursday as we kind of like to figure out which teams that we think could be in a fade situation here based on the situation that they're going to be in, uh, whether it's a second of a back to back or just based on the standings. This is The Look Ahead here on VEASAN. This is The Look Ahead on VEASAN, the sports betting network. Scott Sattenberg back here with you. This is The Look Ahead here on VSIN, the sports betting network. You can always hit me up on Twitter at Scott's on Air, S-C-O-T-T-S-O-N-A-I-R. Big news in the city of New York as the vaccine mandate for city employees is going to be lifted by Mayor Eric Adams here on Thursday. Now, what does this mean? Obviously, it means that Kyrie Irving can now play in home games for the Brooklyn Nets. And and listen, this isn't a political statement. This is just, think about the absurdity of what Kyrie has been dealing with over the past several weeks and couple of months. Uh, with the vaccine mandate lifted for people being in indoor facilities, Kyrie Irving was able to be in the arena he was able to sit courtside, but he wasn't able to step onto the floor and play. I, I, I don't know. It just does not make any sense. You can sit courtside and watch the game, but you can't step onto the court and play the game. Very, very bizarre. Thankfully, cooler heads prevailing. And this is no longer an obstacle for the Brooklyn Nets. Kyrie and the Nets were favored slightly in Memphis against the Grizzlies on Wednesday uh, in a game that did not feature John Morant. Well, no John, no problem. As the Grizzlies were able to win as underdogs, they're now 15-2 and this season without John Morant, which is absolutely incredible. But Kyrie Irving had another great game. Kyrie scored 43 points on 15 of 27 shooting, 
He was uh, 6 of 11 from downtown. He had eight assists in this game. And this off the heels of his 60-point performance in Orlando. Uh, Kyrie, over his past several games, listen to these scoring outputs. 43, 60, 22, 50, 19, 38, 29, 31, 27. He has been on a tear. And the fact that now he is going to be able to play at home, starting with the Nets uh, home game coming up on Sunday, which I believe is against uh, Charlotte. And that is an important game in the standings. First off, Let's talk about what the Nets have coming up before we get into Sunday. On Saturday, we're absolutely going to bet on the Nets because they are in Miami against a free-falling Heat team that not only is slipping or is watching their grip slip, I should say, uh, their hold on the number one seed in the Eastern Conference is fading away. They're now just a game and a half up on Philly, Milwaukee, and Boston. They have lost two straight games, four of their last 10 games they have lost, but what really is the problem here is this altercation that we saw on the sidelines between Eric Spolstra and Jimmy Butler and Udonis Haslam. Frustrations. Man, it is just, uh, things don't look good in Miami. Um, Eric Spolstra throwing his clipboard on the floor. Not not happy with this team. The team not happy with each other. Kyle Lowry said after the game that it was just about players being passionate and they're frustrated about losing. Which, like, I get. And and there's there's two ways of looking at this. Um, I've played competitive sports my whole life. And I've been on teams where... We've, you know, especially when you're on like, whether it's a school team or just an outside travel team or whatnot, I've been on teams where you play with the same group for a long period of time. And when that happens, you know, you could be boys with somebody. And I remember one time I was playing and this was uh, after college and playing in like an, an adult, an adult league. And I was playing with one of my former college teammates and one of my boys who was my roommate and, and all this stuff. And we had gotten into like a heated, heated yelling match, like on the field, in the dugout. It was just whatever. And people that were watching the game, like thought that we, they were like, did Scott and Joe, do they hate each other? Like, is this like a thing? Like, do they fight? Like whatever. No, it was my boy. It was my roommate. But like, Sometimes teammates do that. They fight. They fight like brothers. They, you're, you're with the same people over and over again. And it's just, it's something that I think if you've never really played competitive sports, maybe you don't understand how it can be. But yeah, you can get into really heated arguments with your teammates. And it doesn't mean that there's anything malicious behind it. And it could work out. A couple, one of two ways. It could have a positive effect where, all right, you know, frustrations were boiling and this was going to happen. We had to let it out. I, it was building up inside and I just, ah, I let it all out. And now that it's out, 
We yell at each other, a little pushing and shoving. We move past it. And the Miami Heat move past this, and it starts with their next game, and in their next game, which is going to be uh, against the Knicks coming up on, is it, what is that? It's on Friday. At home against the Knicks, they're going to blow out the Knicks. Or it has an adverse effect, and it's the other way, where there's something that is deeply rooted, and these frustrations are not just teammates going at each other, and there's something more that's there that is going to be an issue for the remainder of the season. Now, you hope that's not the case for the Heat, and the Heat right now are the fourth favorite to win the Eastern Conference at plus 450. I tend to think it's the first way, that this is actually going to have a positive effect on them. I think they're going to blow out the Knicks in a get-right spot coming up on Friday. But then against the Nets on Saturday, I'd be a little cautious. I think the Nets might be able to uh, bounce back from their loss here against Memphis and get back on the winning side. And it's especially important because it's the first of a back-to-back for Brooklyn where on Sunday they play against Charlotte. And that is a very important game for the Brooklyn Nets because if you look at the standings in the Eastern Conference, the Charlotte Hornets are one game back of the Nets for the eighth seed. And uh, I keep repeating it for just in case there's anybody that doesn't know the um, the – way that the playoffs work out, the way that the play-in round works out, the 7th seed plays against the 8th seed, the ninth seed plays against the 10th seed. The winner of the 7-8 becomes the 7th seed. The loser of the 7-8 is not eliminated. They will then play against the winner of the 9-10 to find out who is going to be the 8th seed. So, the Brooklyn Nets right now are the 8th seed, meaning... They got two shots to make it. They play against, if the season ended today, they play against the Raptors, and if they beat Toronto, they're the seventh seed. And if they lose to Toronto, well, they got a chance to beat the winner of Charlotte and Atlanta. But if Brooklyn falls behind Charlotte, if they fall to the nine spot, well, now you have to win two games in a row to make the playoffs. That's a dangerous spot to be in. As good of a team as the Brooklyn Nets are, they could beat anybody on any given day. You don't want to be in that spot. So this game is so important coming up on Sunday for the Nets that they need to beat the Hornets so that the Hornets can't climb into a tie with them and maybe surpass them Uh, depending on how the rest of their season unfolds. Taking a look at Thursday's schedule, it's a short schedule in the NBA. Uh, Cavs are at the Raptors, Toronto's three-and-a-half-point favorites, Pacers at the Grizzlies, Memphis, 12-and-a-half-point favorites, Wizards at the Bucks, Bucks are 12-point favorites, Bulls at the Pelicans, Chicago a one-point road favorite, Suns at the Nuggets, Denver a three-point favorite. I like Denver 
in this spot just because the Suns are playing on the second night of a back-to-back where they had to exert a ton of energy to come from 13 points down at the half to defeat Minnesota. And I think going up to altitude now to play against Denver, I think the Nuggets have the edge there at home. So I'll go with Denver, and I'll lay the three points. Well, probably not. I'll probably go Denver money line. I'm Scott Seidenberg. You hit me up on Twitter at Scott's on Air, S-C-O-T-T-S-O-N-A-I-R. Coming up next, we'll get the official picks in for the first four games of the Sweet 16 that will take place here on Thursday. This is The Look Ahead here on VSIN. VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Play free hoops for a share of $20,000 this March with the March Hoop Series presented by Five Hour Energy. Fire up your lineups in four free to play contests and compete for your share of $5,000 per contest. Head to DraftKings.com slash Five Hour Energy now to join the action. Five Hour Energy. Fire up your lineup. Terms and conditions and other eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Scott Seidenberg back here with you. This is the look ahead here on VSIN, the sports betting network. Let's get to the picks here for the Sweet 16 getting underway on Thursday. We have a doubleheader in two cities, San Francisco for the West region and in San Antonio for the South region. Game one in San Francisco, 7.09 Eastern time tip-off. Arkansas and Gonzaga, that's the 1-4 matchup with the Zags as a 9.5-point favorite. At 7.29 Eastern time, number 2 seed Villanova against the 11th seed Michigan. That is a 5-point spread. The Wildcats are the favorite there. The 2-3 matchup in the West, Texas Tech against Duke from San Francisco. Texas Tech is a 1-point favorite. And the... If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating Cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. 
uh, Houston-Arizona game, the 1-5 matchup there in the South region in San Antonio, Arizona, is a one-and-a-half point favorite. And, you know, taking a look at the betting splits that we have seen, I would say adjusted about, let's say, nine, a while ago. Okay, let's call it like... uh, Earlier in the day on Wednesday. So obviously these are going to change by the time we get to tip off here on Thursday night. But in that first game, Arkansas and Gonzaga, 59% of the bets and 48% of the handle is on number one Gonzaga to cover the nine and a half points. In the second game, 56% of the bets and 70% of the handle is on Villanova laying the five against Michigan. 66%, I want to save one for last, so let me just get to this one first. 66% of the bets and 67% of the handle is on Arizona over Houston as a point and a half. And this is what I wanted to save. 64% of the bets and 66% of the handle is on Duke plus one. This is what I mean when I say that there is a distinct pro versus Joe matchup here. Looking at the money line for this game, according to the DraftKings Sportsbook, 78% of the bets and 80% of the handle was on Duke money line as of Wednesday afternoon. With that overwhelming a percentage of people betting on Duke, why? Why, oh, why, oh, why is the spread still Texas Tech as the one-point favorite? It's because Texas Tech is the right side of the game. And as much as we all want to Dream about the storybook ending for Coach K doesn't always work out this way. And Texas Tech with their defense, they're just a more sound team right now. And I think Texas Tech wins this basketball game. I'm going with Texas Tech. Uh, that is a lean for me. Um, not really a, a, a an official play. If I had to make a play on this game, I'd go Texas Tech for sure. Same thing with Arizona-Houston. I'd go Arizona in that game. In fact, I'll probably sprinkle on a little four-team parlay, just a small little money sprinkle. But two games I have definitive bets on. The other two games are the coin flip games that I'm on Texas Tech and I'm on Arizona. The official place for me, Gonzaga minus 9.5 and and Villanova minus 5. As far as Gonzaga goes, I get it. They have started slowly in the first two games of this tournament. They were only up by two at the half against Georgia Southern, and they trailed by 10 at the half against Memphis. Going into this game, I do not think that Mark Few is going to allow this team to start out as slowly as they did in those two games. I actually think they get out to a fast start here against Arkansas. And the thing that really I lean on when it comes to Gonzaga 
is their ability to go on scoring runs. They are the best team in the nation in going on scoring runs. We saw it here already. We saw the big run in the second half of the round one game. We saw the big run in the second half of the round two game. And I actually think the run might come in the first half of this game. Gonzaga's going to win this by double digits. They are the better team. They have more talent. They're the better defensive team, believe it or not. And they are the better team offensively. If you look at Bart Torvik and go to the adjusted offensive and adjusted adjusted defensive efficiencies, Gonzaga has the edge over Arkansas in both offensive efficiency and defensive efficiencies. And so I think Gonzaga wins this one going away. I think this is a 10-point to 15-point win for Gonzaga. There might be a time I think Gonzaga goes into the half with like a 10-point lead. I think there might be a time where Arkansas gets a little closer and then Gonzaga goes on another run and it gets to a point at the end where it's not going to be about fouls. It's just going to be about, you know, Gonzaga dribbling out the possessions, Arkansas not fouling because they're down 24 points. Something like that. Maybe it's not that big of a blowout, but I see Gonzaga winning by double digits. As far as Villanova, Michigan is concerned, I love this Villanova team. They are senior-led with Colin Gillespie. They are the best free-throw shooting team in college basketball history. And they have a massive coaching edge with Jay Wright here against Jawan Howard. And I get it. It's a rematch of the national championship game from 2018, also in San Antonio. Different building, but same city. Uh, I think that Villanova is just too fundamentally sound to lose this game to Michigan. And Michigan has looked good in their first two-round victories. Michigan was a team that, yes, at the beginning of the season, was a highly ranked team that had a disappointing year. And usually that's a recipe for success in the NCAA tournament because they have actually figured it out. They've gotten healthier, and they've figured it out. I don't think Villanova lets this game get away. And with the five-point spread, I think that free throws come into play here, and Villanova could cover this game at the free throw line. This could very easily be a one-point game or a one-possession game in the final minute. And it's back and forth. But if Villanova has a lead at any point, In the closing minute, and Michigan has to send them to the free throw line, Villanova will not allow Michigan to get into the game. And so that's the fear. If you're a Michigan backer, I'm telling you, I've seen this play out before. This could be a one-point game with 20 seconds left. Or let's say it's a two-point game with 30 seconds left. Okay, Michigan misses a shot. And has to foul. Villanova makes two free throws. Now it's a four-point game. Michigan goes down. Maybe they make a basket. Okay. Two-point game. They foul again. Now it's a four-point game again. Now the clock's going against you. They try a play for a three-pointer. They miss the three-pointer. They foul. Now it's a six-point game. 
That's how Villanova covers. As long as this is a two-point game in the final seconds, two trips to the free throw line without a Michigan basket, and you get yourself a Villanova cover. Those are my two top picks here for Thursday. Gonzaga minus the nine and a half, Villanova minus the five. Coming up on Follow the Money, former college basketball coach Tom Crean joins the program at 8.15 a.m. Eastern time. Ross Tucker from Westwood One, NFL analyst, uh, will join the program at 8.45 a.m., former NFL offensive lineman. And Mike Palm, vice president here at Circa and uh, host of uh, Odds On, will join the program at 9 a.m. Eastern time. That's coming up on Follow the Money this morning. You could follow me, Scott Seidenberg, on Twitter at Scott's On Air, S-C-O-T-T-S-O-N-A-I-R. This is The Look Ahead right here on VSIN. The Sports Betting Network. This. This. With the new Dexcom G7, you can achieve better diabetes results without painful finger sticks. It sends your glucose numbers to your compatible phone or watch, so you can always see where you are and where you're heading. See how food and exercise affects your glucose, making it easier to spend more time in range and lower your A1C. Take control of your diabetes with the number one recommended CGM brand. It's easy to get started today at Dexcom.com. That's Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie. Because John Stamos' picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.